Welcome back, everybody. Happy Friday. You're listening to The Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. Today, we got a lot to unpack, so we're going to hop right into it. I'm welcoming back this week to the show fellow Talking Alternative broadcasting host. He's the host of Employment Law Today. Uh, he also has a practice in Midtown. Uh, he is an employment uh, lawyer. Eric Sarver, welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you, Jeremiah. It's great to be here with you and great to be back. I think, uh, you know, I was here on your show, I think, in August of 2020, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I've got to say, like, in the employment law realm, not much happening since then. Nothing going on really at all. <laughs> <laughs> not a bit. Not a bit. So I usually, uh, I usually offer a message of the week, but since we're going to be talking about uh, mandates and, you know, certainly with all my millions of followers, uh, I have listeners from outside of the New York City area. Sure. I just want to list instead of uh, the message, just like what has changed um, in New York City in particular, uh, just it, it, in this week and what's coming up. So the first change was starting December 14th, uh, children ages 5 to 11 now have to show proof of vaccination to one shot um, if they want to dine indoors, if they want to go to an indoor gym or any other kind of entertainment that's indoors. If you're going to a movie theater, you're going to see a kid's comedy show. I don't know what kids do these days. I don't take my kids anywhere. Um, (laughs) All of that. So 5 to 11 now roped into what was previously in existence for, um, for 12 and up. And now what's adjusted for 12 and up is by December 27th, uh, you have to show proof of two doses of whatever vaccine, unless it was the J&J, if you want to dine indoors, yes. if you want to uh, work out indoors, and if you want to do any kind of indoor entertainment. And uh, newly uh, added to this uh, rollout was uh, the private sector. I think something like 185,000 businesses are affected where the employees have to show proof of vaccination to work. So before it was simply relegated to uh, restaurants, um, gyms, and entertainment uh, venues. So retail wasn't affected. So grocery stores, that which was kind of silly, right? If you think about it, like these massive grocery stores, none of the employees or customers had to show proof of vaccination. And there were, you know, mass mandates were essentially lifted and they were working on the honor system to quote, uh, Andrew Cuomo, yeah, just use the honor system. You could ask if they have, uh, if they've been vaccinated and if they say yes, you're like, okay, carry on. You don't have to wear a mask. But some of these stores, you can pack like hundreds of people in and, uh, you know, shop, grocery shopping is not always that quick. If you're shopping for a family, sometimes you might be in there for a couple hours. So that part was kind of ignored where like these, you know, all these 25 seat restaurants throughout New York City got the, uh, the thumb pressed on them again. I always thought that was a little, thought that was a little funny. So now finally they've roped in all these other businesses and they have until the 27th as well to show proof of vaccination and just updated this week because of uh, an increase in cases. Um, all, all indoor anything has to, you, you will be asked to show proof of vaccination if you do not want to wear a mask. So if you want to go into the deli, you don't want to wear a mask, got to show proof of vaccination just to come in and pick up like a bottle of water. Very correct. Yeah, you got all the basics like down pat like there, like Jeremiah, how it's how it's changing the vaccine mandate, how it's evolving. Um, I would say it's interesting. You raise a point I've seen or heard from my clients, like the business owners who are employment in the employment aspects, who are restauranteurs, and they there's often been this complaint about, well, why do we need these different 
mandates and mask mandates or proof of vaccination. Like if a grocery store like does not, it's like, and it's been actually, you know, the, the argument I heard advanced are twofold. One was that groceries are more of a mandatory thing that you need to go out and get. You have to buy food or diapers for your family that you don't quote unquote have to eat out in a restaurant, which doesn't really, when you think about it, like say impact the underlying issue of is this a justified um, restriction based on health and safety? So it's an interesting point you raise. Um, I think that a lot of restaurateurs like said, well, if they don't have that mandate, why should we? What's ironic is that now the mandate's applying to both. Um, but uh, so, and you're correct about the five to eleven category. Of course, as an employment law and business law attorney, I zero in on the. Um, private mandate for employers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I take it, our approach from very different perspectives on behalf of my clients and my own personal views. Um, but it's interesting, like you're correct that you know, New York City has a very, very um, high, uh, strict uh, approach towards this, towards trying to contain, contain this pandemic. And, you know, they do so under certain authority and power is that the, the, the states and the municipalities that have right, to police people in terms of health, public safety, and well-being. And that's actually ironically why they say that the New York City mandate for employers might have a better chance like, of surviving a court challenge, let's say, than the Biden administration's mm -hmm. you know, the federal vaccine mandate for 100 employees and more, or in that case, like alternating test, testing and masking. So, um, but you're correct about how it's been expanding. Uh, and it's now also not just about patrons, it's about employees. So every employer has to know about these important updates. And, and the other thing that they expanded too, because I, I started to see this play out as the temperature changed, especially in Manhattan. Um, you know, all these restaurants have these outdoor structures and they started to enclose them. So it didn't apply to outdoor dining. So they weren't checking, you know, you could sit in this enclosed outdoor structure on the street. Right. <laughs> Excuse me, and you didn't have to show proof of vaccination, but if you went inside, you did. And now they, they finally clarified the other day and they said, if you have uh, three sides covered on your uh, three sides and a, and, a, and, a, and a covering on your outdoor structure, they have to also show proof of vaccination to sit in the outdoor uh, thing. So they, there's all these little holes and cracks and it just makes you wonder sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the other thing that I just wanted to bring up early on in this was that for the most part, as you pointed out, this is largely affected um, <clears throat> business and customers, mm -hmm. unless it's uh, you know mm -hmm. unless it's uh, a municipal building or or something of that nature. So you've got you know federal travel uh, mandate. If you go into any uh, municipal building, whether it be federal, state, or city, mm -hmm. you know you've got to abide by all these uh, regulations, and then and then obviously private businesses has not gotten to the point. I mean, I think about like France and Italy in the early days of their lockdown, like you had to schedule your trip to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. You couldn't just like freely walk out. I mean, they really had people uh, strapped in their homes. Um, it hasn't come to that point here. Yeah. So let's hope it does not. But uh, you're in this position where like the majority of the mandates are really dealing with, do you, I mean, do you represent any, um, any municipal um, organizations, or is it strictly private business that you deal with in your practice? Yeah, it's a good question, Jim. It's a really good question um, <clears throat> for this topic. So um, I don't represent like, municipalities. Like, usually the federal and state and city governments like have like, their own in-house internal you know, staff council on board that represent them like, in these issues and other issues. 
that might come up. Um, I represent uh, private employers. I've just represented a handful of nonprofit organizations over the years, but not municipalities and such. So, so to your point, um, if, you're, if you're a state employee and you're a healthcare worker, the vaccine mandate has been held up as affirmed by the courts and you have to have that. The federal vaccine mandate for healthcare workers is now being stayed in the courts. Basically, it's fought out in the court of appeals, like the duking it out. And you know, the Supreme Court recently heard a case and they're saying, okay, I'm gonna update, um, uh, rather affirm and uphold these injunctions so that these uh, vaccine mandates for healthcare workers won't come out. But just to answer your question, I handle private employers. And so, you know, I, I definitely hear the conundrum that employers are in. Many feel as if they're being like, twisted into a pretzel. And I also, you know, part of being a good attorney, I believe, is being able to hear and empathize with like both parts, you know, know both sides to be able to argue both sides, right? To be able to predict what arguments might come. And, you know, it's like, I do actually see, um, you know, some of the, the, the rationale behind these rules. They're saying, look, we're not just like doing this to bust people's chops. You know, we're not saying everyone has to get a tetanus shot to prevent lockjaw. Because if you don't want to get a tetanus shot to prevent lockjaw from happening, you don't have to. You step on a rusty nail, maybe you get some bad infections, but it won't spread to other people. And I think the concern is, hey, this was such a deadly and potent disease, overflowing, crowding hospitals, getting people up, people on long-term disability, mass, you know, death and casualty. Let's try to rein it in. But the, the, the challenge is that you're right, private employers kind of get stuck in the middle, don't they? Because they're the ones enforcing, right? Someone comes in, you've got to ask for your employees like, for vaccination proof. A customer wants to come in, like, ask them for the card. So it's, it's a tough situation. I really empathize with um, what's trying to be accomplished by these mandates. And I listen to and hear my clients, business owners say, hey, listen to this sticky situation like, that I'm in. You know, so then the question becomes, how do I help them? What do we do about it, right? How do we, um, what's the best way to, to enforce these, to comply with these rules? What's the best way to also communicate like, with your employees like, so that they're actually, you know, on board also. And there's not that extra friction between you and your employees. Right. And for the most part, like where we're at, I'd say that the majority of the population is on board. Yeah. With, with you know, vaccination boosters you know most i i've never had an issue at, in my restaurant where mm -hmm. someone uh refused to show proof of vaccination or didn't mm -hmm. have it sure. like mm -hmm. people are like they come in here proudly they got it they got it open when they hit the door you know mm -hmm. um but you're right that it, it is a sticky situation for employers and, and employees because you, you're now kind of deputizing you know we've all kind of been deputized in a way um and, and we, we weren't given much training for it and it, it, it requires more work, you know, so business is still kind of down, I think, across the board. Some places have gotten back to their uh, kind of like 2019 numbers, but not everybody has. And then on top of it, you've got these additional tasks that you have to do, um, which, which sometimes are not convenient. It's not, mm. it's not, it, it, it disrupts the flow of everything you're trying to do and it causes certain levels of frustration where, you know, it's hard enough sometimes in, like take a restaurant, for example, sure. you, everybody, the problem with restaurants is everybody wants to eat at the same time, right? So right. you have, you have a 35 seat restaurant and 35 people literally come to the door at the same time. Not only do you have to get them sat, get them, you know, set up, start to get orders going in, but in the middle of it, you've got to stop and check everybody's vaccination proof and their ID. And people are fumbling. People are like, Sometimes, I mean, I've had people like, oh, I forgot it. Let me text my son. He's at home. I'll get him to send me a screenshot of it. 
and you're like waiting for all this to happen before you can get their order and you're like okay i'm gonna come back to you you run around it's like it's just a lot of it's a lot of work i will say yeah. that. it is definitely uh it is it's not fun <laughs> right. No, I, no, I think no. I think I wouldn't argue against that in this in the slightest. Um, and for sure, you know, it's, I think it's like important. You know, when I talk to my clients, like I need to hear their frustrations and and say that they're they're valid. I mean, I think that like you know what I've seen, as you, we both know, I'm sure many issues around COVID have become very very uh, people very polarized in their views on everything. And right. you know, people I think often like don't understand, don't really empathize with like, the other like person's perspective and what's hard. so for example. I see a lot of people who are not restaurateurs saying, well, what's the big deal? Why would anyone object to this? This is a great rule because, you know, it's win-win, right? Your patrons are safe. You don't have to be the bad guy or bad gal or whomever. You can just like, say, hey, you know, like, it's like not ma and me when the government's requiring me to do this. So, you know, I got to ask your vaccination card. Kind of like as if, say, you know, if you were a restaurant that, or let's say a restaurant, a bar that, you know, 40 years ago believed that 18 was a very young drinking age, but you couldn't really enforce, you can make your own policy and say, in my bar or my restaurant, 21, we need to drink, right? You'd be very unpopular, right? People would hate you and probably not go back. But when the state made it mandatory, a lot of like restaurants and bars are very upset. I mean, it's before, I think we were probably very young at the time, but yeah, um, right, it's like, don't remember it. But, you know, it's like, I think that like um, people would say, you know, this is gonna make me unpopular. The crowds are gonna hate us and they're not gonna come here. But when it's like mandatory and uniform for every restaurant, every bar, two things happen. One, that initial, I think, like frustration, resistance kind of gives way, right, to acceptance. I mean, now, when you go to a restaurant or bar and someone, say, brings their 20-year-old son home from college and he says, well, I'll order a beer, dad. And they say, hey, can I, you know, check your ID? Usually response is, oh, sure, here you go. It's not, how dare you? I, you know, old enough to fight in a war and <laughs> I can't get a damn beer. So I think that, like, my point is that um, I think that, you know, as these mandates like, become, say, uh, more routine, people will have to get that flow and, and they won't be as angry at the restaurateur who can also, maybe some restaurateurs like, you know, like might actually want this, um, this mandate. I think some are, uh, some are privately saying, thank God, because we're in New oh, York City. yeah, sure. Right, because no. we're, yeah, we're in New York City. It's like people I just mentioned, they're, you know, proud card-carrying bags folks, you know, I believe in the science, like, you know, I'm doing my part. And, um, if you want a restaurant upstate New York, let's say, well, it wouldn't be covered by de Blasio, but let's say Staten Island, right? A little more conservative, different uh, population towards vaccines, you know. Some sites might, you can kind of uh, let your, you know, patrons, patrons know, hey, I know this is a pain, but, you know, Big Brother's watching, I gotta do this. And it doesn't, the anger doesn't get transmitted onto you so much. So that might be a benefit, but it doesn't take away what you're saying, which is that um, I think that like there needs to be some maybe greater steps and guidance for restaurateurs and for business owners, right? How do we enforce this? Like, you know, like how do we, um, one of the critiques about the testing, you know, because in the state or federal uh, orders, the provision is supposed to be either 100 or more employees for the federal, for the Biden administration's push, either they get like, the um, vaccine or weekly testing weekly and test. masking. So the weekly testing part, people say, well, who, who has to implement this? Like, did we do it? Did the employers bear the cost? So there's new guidance coming out from the Department yeah. of Labor saying, hold on, you don't have to pay for the testing. You know, you're, it's the employee's like, job responsibility to do that if they're not getting the vaccine. But you're right. It's, it's definitely not a smooth rollout by any means. Yeah. And I want to acknowledge that, you know, if I was a restaurateur uh, in a restaurant, I'd be pretty pissed off these days, to be honest, you know. 
So I typically am, but that's not the new restaurant owners are typically pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've known that in the few I've had restaurants uh, clients for years, and yeah, yeah, we're generally right. angry. Cool. I you brought up something that I want. I want to. We're going to take a break, but I want to pick up on that uh, when we get back, based off of a, a personal experience earlier this week. So hang tight, everybody. Okay. For the story, we'll be back in just a minute. Story. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. Today, we're keeping it local, sticking to the good old NYC. Welcoming back to the show, uh, employment lawyer Eric Sarver. He's also a fellow show host here on talkradio.nyc. He is the host of Employment Law Today, which airs Tuesdays at 5 or 6. 5 p.m. 5 p.m. 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard, New York City time. Yep. And uh, we're talking about the whole heap of shit that's gone down here in New York City in the last couple of weeks. Um, so my story, this and this, you know, you said something about, um, you know, uh, government providing support for the the increase in responsibility and workload for these businesses. So my need, 11, what's that? Well, the need for that support. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, my my 11 year old uh you know, required to get vaccinated to go do a bunch of the things that she wants to do um, and and was eager to get it done. So we went the other day um, to uh, uh, a privately owned pharmacy uh, in Brooklyn and Park Slope. And um, they I, I've been in this pharmacy a bunch of times. They probably had like 
300% of the staff that they normally have, you know, like there were a lot of extra people there. There were lines going straight down two aisles from the back all the way to the front hmm. to give out free tests and free vaccines. Hmm. So my question, this is going through my mind being the business oriented type is who's paying for the added, the added staffing for something like this. I don't know any pharmacy owners to ask like, Hey, are you getting some kind of government assistance for having to bring on? So, I mean, there had, you know, this is a place that probably usually has about five or six people on staff at all times. And I guarantee you there were 15 people, right? There was people just standing in the aisle working, just coordinating traffic. Cause there were so many people coming in and out and it was just like a conveyor belt. Um, I don't know if you've come across that question or, or anybody in that industry, but um, mm-hmm. that would be, that would be one nice addition. It's like, okay, we're going to offer you a subsidy. If you're going to do this, here's like a labor subsidy to help you, you know, pay for um, an extra person to just like kind of deal with this to, to make, you know, everything run smoothly and, and feel like somewhat normal. Cause that's what we're all really working for. Right. Is like some sliver of normalcy of like life as it was before. I mean, the whole reason restaurants stayed open was like, to offer people that like, oh yeah, I can still go out and enjoy like a fraction of the life that I had before we go through these steps. But, you know, I think in general, um, there, there hasn't been much assistance given to the, to those businesses. I know in my case, it's been very little. Um, right. has, has that come across your path? Any kind of su- labor subsidy or assistance for the, these organizations that are, um, that are doling out, uh, that are doing testing or vaccinations and or? It's a great question. You know, I haven't seen a lot of like this question about like, who's going to pay for, you know, the extra assistance. Um, what I do see though, is that like, often when the government has these additional regulations and they call upon the business like, to do more to enforce it, they often have some tax incentives or tax credits that the right. company anybody can get and apply to the government for so, I mean, so you had the PPP and the EIDL assistance like back in 2020. That was actually not so much a merit-based. It wasn't that you had to earn it by doing extra. It was more that based on regular revenue, revenue losses and such. So my point in bringing that up, Jeremiah, is that and I think there are two types of ways when the government uh, sort of helps lessen the burden for the business owner. Mm. One is by giving out some extra monetary support. Uh, it's not based on extra work by them, just basically like this is the economy, it's what's happening. You know, you pay your taxes every year, it goes towards these type of, uh, you know, laws get passed and legislation authorizes like, different tax breaks and, and, um, and PPP loans and such. Now, with the extra staffing, it would be interesting to see what happens like, if the government, you know, say does give out some kind of a tax break for, let's say, the cost. So, for example, you're hiring more people, but you're not, if you're hiring them, say, just to give out extra vaccine doses, the argument I might make is that you're not hiring them just for extra, uh, say, to earn extra income, right? You're not hiring because you're growing in size and need to, right, you, right uh, say, cater to double the, the customer base. So I think you might be able to make that argument. The question becomes whether or not, you know, business groups will, what usually I see happens in these situations is that business groups, right, tend to lobby let's say if it's a city, right, New York City, the, the lobby of the city council, the mayor's office, they'll say, hey, here are our concerns. You have the Better Business Bureau, other private groups set up, um, maybe the Chamber of Commerce locally. And the government often will consider those, um, those issues and either adjust with, with taxes or with incentives. So maybe that's something 
the good thing, Fab, you know, if you're in any kind of a business group with fellow business owners, you know, just maybe go to the city and say, let's try to get this like, as, a, as an actual incentive, you know, that's actually, yeah. um, but it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd take a tax break. That's fine with me. Uh-huh. So in the case of restaurants, is the, the New York Hospitality Alliance, and they're the biggest lobby group, essentially. Um, and and they, they've done a lot, um, but I don't think that's come, I don't think that's come up yet. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they're, they're, you know, they have bigger fish to fry right now and everybody's just like kind of ad hoc dealing with yeah. it. But that's, that's the part that is frustrating is that it's just all ad hoc. We're all just figuring out our own way of doing it. And uh, some people are more vigilant than others. I mean, I've had people come in mm-hmm. and they say, I'm so glad you asked. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, there's people that aren't. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, no. And like, I just personally don't want the damn fine. <laughs> you know, like I yeah. really just, I don't need a thousand or a $2,000 or a $5,000 fine. Um, yes. Yeah. Main reason I do it. I, we got inspected last night, in fact. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I've, we've been inspected three times. So they're definitely coming out. I thought it would definitely be a little bit more of like a battle, you know, like I've, I've dealt with the Department of uh, Health for so long <laughs> that I thought it was going to be like that, you know, and they're, they're not nice. They're just not yeah. nice people. Um, I'll, I'll say this, the, 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 you know, the key to NYC inspectors have been very nice so far. And I'm like, okay, if you're going to be nice, I'll be nice. But sure. I, get, I get nasty with the Department of Health guys. I do. <laughs> Understandable. You know, I've had yeah. clients that hired me to you know, petition a bad grade that was, they thought, yep. registered or arbitrary in, in nature. But, you know, I, you raise a really good point, Jeremiah. I think it, like, it speaks to a lot of what I do, right? Because um, you mentioned that these, all these different rules, laws, and regulations, which are changing constantly. I mean, if you pull up news headlines from six months ago, even three months ago, they'd be very different than what they are today around the federal governments at that point pending, soon to be mandate, then the mandate, then it being stayed by the courts, right? Saying, hey, it's frozen, can't enforce it, can't implement it yet. Then you have this, the state healthcare workers, the city now. So everything keeps like changing constantly. And your point, I think I heard you say was that it's very hard. It's frustrating, right? You know, for you as a business owner, I like to try to keep track of this because, you know, you have to run your business. You spend your time, your energy, your focus, uh, supervising your employees, ordering supplies, catering to your customers, whatever the case may be. So that's actually kind of where I come in, you know, is that um, I like, you know, been as an employment labor law, business law attorney, you know, I read the, this stuff constantly. I'm always, I'm, I'm reviewing, I'm reading, I'm, I'm tuning in to other broadcasts about this type of thing. And I'm reading the legislation that comes out, the summaries. Um, and I get these also in my inbox by certain alerts from certain like organizations for us, for us employment lawyers. Like, yeah. So, so, you know, one thing I recommend like any business owner do um, is that like, if you're running a business in 2021, really want to tap into an employment law attorney to help you with the compliance. And you know what, like, if you're not actually there yet, let's say you're saying, well, you know, uh, attorneys can be a little expensive. I don't know. And maybe you're just not ready. At least have an HR company at your disposal. Um, someone, a professional HR folks, they're not all that expensive. There are large ones and small ones. You've got the large ones like ABP and Trinet and the smaller ones that are kind of local consultants that can help you with this stuff, to help you to make sure that you're following the mandates. Make sure you understand, you know, that the unemployment rules or the paid leave, right? A lot of folks like don't realize, you know, that now if you have an employee who says, hey, I need some time off because my child, you know, got the second shot, let's say, and they're sick and they're home from school for a day and a half because they don't feel well, um, that actually has to be kind of their paid sick leave now. So you can't just say, well, all right, you take a personal day. And um, 
And so, but the thing is that an employment law attorney like myself, it can help you to have these policies in place. And the more you have policies in place that are evolving and changing with the law, the more, and the more that you then communicate those policies like to your workers, the less chance for these conflicts, right? These, this tension, these uh, complaints filed or, you know, a complaint with OSHA or with the EOC, you know, so I always recommend that. Like, it's just such an important, I know it sounds like self-promotion because I represent businesses, but, you know, if I were a dentist, like I'd probably be talking about how important it is to take a, you know, get six month checkup and, and floss. So it is what I do, you know, it's a- uh, Hey, this show is about entrepreneurship, baby. You got uh-huh. to strike the hammer while the iron's hot. <laughs> uh-huh. But it, I think it's, yeah, but, but it's really is, you know, something, it's, it's true. And I think that, you know, like the, the fines and such, um, if you are actually subject to a fine, I do recommend trying to fight it if there's uh, arguments to be made because with these newer rules, like it's like harder for you know agencies to enforce them. So if you got a fine, let's say like for an old you know health violation of a health code, been around for thirty years, um, or if the Department of Labor let's say found out you weren't paying your employees like the proper overtime, you know you can fight that if it's not true. If it is true, you might want to negotiate. With these laws, I think there's a little more flexibility. I'm noticing that. You know, I think the city is noticing that people like yourself, Jeremiah, are doing the best you can. And you pointed out, I think that, right, they were a little nice to you, the, the enforcement folks. And then, yeah. So maybe if you have someone that says, look, you know, like this guy, he didn't bring his card, but he's been here five times last month. He gets the chicken parm every time. I know him. I, he's a good guy. Like, right. Show me his card. They might say, okay, um, just have him bring the card next time. Or um, and, I, and I've heard of that happening. I Not, you know, right. at other other establishments where like, they've been a little tighter. I think it's, you know, they're, they're going harder on certain places, maybe places are notorious for like yeah. bending the rules or whatever, you know, and, um, and, and I heard that happen where they were there one night and they didn't check a guy, but he was a regular and mm-hmm. they, you know, they got a fine and yeah, hopefully they fought it. I, I have a friend, a neighbor who's an attorney and he was in here last night just having a yeah. drink and he said the same thing. He was like, I always encourage people to fight it no matter what, just right. fight it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I tend to encourage that as well. And it's like, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. And it's part of what we, what we do as attorneys. But um, but I think also it's, it's an interesting point like that. Yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. I think the city recognizes the most part that it's a hard thing to enforce. Everyone's doing the best they can. Will you have occasionally the, you know, super, uh, I guess, anal or um, just strictler type of uh, enforcement agent? Yeah, sure. I'm sure you'll get some of Definitely. those along the lines. But and I think this is kind of, you know, right where like understanding each other's position comes into play. You know, I think that, you know, I, I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job, Jeremiah, if I only came to my clients and said, okay, here's what the law says. Here's what like, the newest law is. Here's what you have to do. Here, here's, you know, do this and this, right? Implement this policy. I'm going to write this up for you in a contract or a handbook and have your employees come in. That's a lot of what I do. I do just that. Right. But, right. But, you know, it's like, I think like with employee relations, for example, um, it, a lot of employers, if I kind of serve as an armchair I don't want to say like industrial psychologist, but it's kind of it's. I've seen what helps to decrease uh, tension and conflict between employees and employers, and what leads to less disgruntled employees, like who you know might then decide to quit and sue or be fired and sue. Um, it leads to better ret- employee retention, employee morale. So I always encourage, like, if you have a concern, you know, to communicate with your employees, have a, have group meetings, and make it a safe place for people to air their concerns because. Your employees might have frustrations that are identical to yours as a business owner, mm-hmm. and you might not even realize that. Right. Like, no, I don't like this any more than you do. And you might be able to tell them, hey, you know, 
I've met a lot of employees, for example, don't know that their employers like don't like, don't enjoy enforcing all these rules. You know, they might just think, oh, my employer just like, you know, loves to be hard-headed and, and come down on me. And you might say, look, I don't want to do this any more than you do. And it kind of builds this like we're in the same boat, camaraderie. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of that makes sense the way I'm communicating it, but it's that communication link with your employees is key. And you know, and having those meetings and having updates in your handbooks and policies and, and inviting feedback which is counterintuitive. A lot of folks say, if I invite feedback, it's Pandora's box. The floodgates will open and everyone will complain about every little thing. I'll never get any work done. I don't know. I found it to be counterintuitive. I don't know if you've had that experience. Right. Well, I mean, they might, they might complain, but all you have to do is listen. You know, you don't have to answer anything immediately, especially still meetings. Just like, thank you all yeah. for your feedback. Mm -hmm. We'll, we'll get back to you. And that's it. And I, yes. I think that's, I think it, it's, it, it really empowers them. It's a very valuable tool. And you don't have to respond immediately. You don't have to have a comeback. You don't have to do anything other than just listen. So true. That's very people often. People often just want that. All right. Well, I need to listen to Sam because he's telling me we got to go to break. Oh, so we got another one. Another, another drill. Nice we'll, we'll be back. I know we could we could just go on and on and on. We'll be back <laughs> in just a minute, guys. Hang tight. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. folks hopping right back into it talking new york city uh employment and covid regulation here with eric sarver he's got a practice at midtown for employment and uh business regulation and he's also the host of employment law today which airs on talkradio.nyc tuesdays 5 to 6 p.m yes. so what else what else do you have to share with us that, <laughs> that you you've seen a lot you've been you've been You've been right on the on the front lines of it all. Um, what are what are some of the big like pitfalls um, that that um, 
you know, business owners, employers can, can avoid that you've seen happen. Um, you mentioned the insurance thing. I mean, is, is it, I'm wondering like if it's caused by several things, but all my, all my premiums went up this year. Mm-hmm. Like everything's kind of renewing right now for me for next year and everything went up and I'm like, man, is it because they lost a lot of money over the last year? Is that part of it? Is it also, you know, uh, the, just the increased load that we have to cover now, because as you pointed out, you know, we have to, we have to cover our employees when they're home because their child got a shot and they're not feeling so well. And it's no longer a personal day for them. It's actually covered under sick leave. Yeah. Well, I think with the insurance, are you referring to your insurance, like unemployment insurance uh, yeah, contributions, yeah. right? Workers' comp, you know, it's like, yep. Yeah. I think the, uh, the answer to your question is probably right. It's probably both. It's probably right. that there is, right, that need for revenue. One thing we as employment lawyers are, see- lawyers are seeing is that um, a lot of like businesses that gave revenue to the Department of Labor closed down. So they need to make that up. So there is yep. that you might say I'm being cynical. I'm not usually a cynical person, believe it or not, even though I'm an attorney, but I try not to be. I think it's like limiting in my opinion, but um, you are seeing like more businesses being subject to not just code regulations, but strict enforcement of uh, rules around say it's called clopenings in New York City about when someone can allowed to open and then or close a restaurant and, or uh, a bar and then work the next morning, how much space in between. And we're seeing, that's actually New York City type enforcement, but we're seeing regulations around um, say notification of wages like going up. So there's a lot of the low hanging fruit theory, but also to your point, you know, Jeremiah, you have with more kind of uh, written in for employees, like more room for, I think, disagreements or issues that come up. So there's like more of an insurance premium that goes on. And then of course, it's the, over time, like, these rates get raised for inflation adjustment and such. Um, I love when you said, what else? It's like, wow. Yeah. So, and there's so much, it's great. If I had to give the highlights, what I'm seeing, I'd say this. I'm seeing a lot of, like, I won't go through all the details. If I was speaking to, occasionally I'll speak to other lawyers about like a continuing education course at like CLE or about this topic and I'll give all the ins and out minutia of like what the courts are holding and the arguments behind it. What I will say, I think it better purposes of our discussion today is that, because that's boring, right? It's a lot of people. I love it, but people find it boring. But um, like, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing a lot of changes in laws around um, safety for workers. That's the, one of the key words. So if you're in New York State, not just the city, but New York State uh, business, if you have people coming into a physical workplace, I'm seeing federal and state laws, state laws, especially around like having an infectious airborne disease policy. So basically heightened safety standards called the HERO Act, right? You've got to have a certain plan. You have to submit it to New York State Department of Labor. You have to communicate to your employees. Um, we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of like federal also just OSHA stricter regulations around protections against COVID. We're seeing more and more laws changing around paid leave requirements. It's not just the five paid sick days a year in New York City or certainly paid family leave time in New York State for having a child or a, a seriously sick condition or relative. We're seeing it for quarantine leave Coming a little bit less common, I think, now, but there still is quarantine leave as an issue. Uh, if you have a child in school and they get sick or someone in their class gets sick, they can take it home for two weeks. You can have, I think, a homeschooling scenario. You might have to have a, a person out on call. So you need to know yeah. what the law like, requires you as an employer to grant for leave. And, of course, you know, we're seeing, like, say, the whole kind of mask mandate and the whole vaccine mandate blow up. I think that, like, a lot of co- companies getting tripped up, uh, whether they're a big company or a small company, whether they're a restaurant or a law firm, 
it's that they're getting like even confused, Jeremiah, around the issue of accommodations. And it's a confusing issue. You know, I've heard of daycare centers like where they, you know, they say, well, let's have all the workers vaccinated. They're working with a young population of small children who can't get the vaccine, who can get sick, et cetera. They're very close quarters. But some of them actually mistakenly believe that if the employee raises a religious objection, then that's the end of the story, right? Then your hands are tied. And I've literally heard that expression from clients say, my hands are tied. And I actually know the hands are not tied. That um, if you like, if you can't grant religious accommodation requests because let's say like the person is too much needed hands-on experience or they can't be working remotely, you can't accommodate it. It's just too much of a hardship financially or operationally or, or just logistically, like you can actually let them go and not have to pay them unemployment insurance. And that's a tricky one, right? Because you know, if you are an accounting firm or say a bookkeeping firm and someone bookkeeper says, hey, I need to work remotely because uh, you know, I have a religious objection to the vaccine. If they're keeping books, let's say they're a bookkeeper in-house for a, a small business. Well, can they work remotely and still do their job? Usually the answer is yes, right? They're using Excel spreadsheets, you know, the email, they're, they're kind of like chiming in through uh, Google Dropbox and documents. But if you're a restaurant, I use this example all the time, yeah. right? If, if you're an executive chef, your head chef says, like, I can't get the vaccine, it's against my religious beliefs. And you say, okay, well, let's see, you're an executive head chef, right? Um, you can't remotely zoom in, right? You can't cook food. It's remotely. hard to dial that one in, yep. <laughs> and you can't be saddled in the basement somewhere, sort of a, okay, I can give you an office thing off to the side, you'll come in regular hours. You have to be there, as you pointed out, right, during the, the heavy dinner rush and the meals. You're in a closely quartered kitchen, like, like other, other workers, you're near the food that gets served to people. You might not be able to accommodate them. So I think it's like important if you're an employer and you get, say, an employee that comes to you with a request like, to work remotely because of uh, religious objections to the vaccine or medical condition, like, make sure you don't, don't be rash. Don't just say no, hell no, not on my watch, right? But don't just like capitulate and say, I'm terrified of getting in trouble. Okay. You can go to an employment lawyer and say, what are my rights situation? And how do I approach this? What are the steps? What are the processes you have to put in place? That's what I'm seeing a lot of is what do I have to do? What's the issue? And if I have to do something affirmative, uh, grant accommodation, give someone time off, how do I do it? Do, do I have to do it in steps? Like, do I have to document it? Do, and do I have to um, make notes for the government? They go to the employee. Usually the answer is yes to all of the above. That's what I'm seeing a lot of. <laughs> I don't know if that's helpful to your audience, but maybe they're out there listening and they're saying, you know, oh, it happened to me. I had an employee that, you know, I, no, I absolutely think it is. Um, and and a, a, a neighboring business owner, he's in food and beverage also. We had the same dis discussion earlier this week. And he scaled his business quite rapidly where he's opened a number of locations really quickly. But yeah. what he hasn't scaled is his like employee um, communication and like his HR and stuff like that. And I'm like, it's just as important. Like when you're, when you're scaling, like you have to have that in place as well. It's just something we don't think about, especially as like the creators of these businesses, when you're coming from that background, it's, it's not always so obvious to us. So that's a great, I think it's a very great point that you bring up. Uh, mm -hmm. I think, I think it's something that everybody needs to hop on. We got one more quick break and we'll come back and wrap this one up. All right. Hang tight, everybody. We'll be right back. Yep. 
Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Right. I wanted to hop right back on that for a minute because this did come up in conversation. And I think it's really, really important, just as my advice to business owners, especially those that are scaling and ramping up, uh, is, is having those policies in place systematized the same way you would your production. So if you're a coffee shop and you've got systems for like how coffee is made and what happens when somebody orders and da-da-da-da-da, all those things go. And that's what allowed you to open multiple locations and replicate that, you're going to have to have the same in place for employee communication or whether it's COVID related, whether there's so many incidents that can happen between employees, employees and middle management, like it all, like, and you have to, you have to systematize and have procedures in place for that just as much as you do, you know, you have to have that for your employees the same way you have that for your customers if you if you want to scale and expand and as you pointed out earlier that's like a, a portion at least of what you do where you're you're providing employers with frameworks for that so they it really comes down to confidence yeah like if you're confident speaking to your employee knowing that there is a clear path to resolution mm-hmm. you're going to be much more open right. in the discussion you'll be more open to feedback you'll feel at liberty to speak more openly with them and vice versa. If they have a certain level of expectation of what the outcome is going to look like, Mm -hmm. they're going to feel more confident speaking with you, coming to you with the situation, allowing you all to work it out amongst yourselves and not end up in a situation where you're being sued by an employee. Because even just that, 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 you know, that letter sucks. You're like, fuck, (laughs) you know, like even if nothing happens, it's just like, and if it comes at like a bad time where you're already having a bad day, it can, it can put you, it can tip the, tip the scales in the wrong direction. 
Um, and I really think it comes down to like that expectation that, okay, I know there's something in place here, just the same way when an employee comes into work, they know, okay, I know what I have to do today. Right. There's no guesswork when it's, when it's ad hoc. And it's just right. kind of like, we've all, we've had too much of that too much of yeah. like, okay, ad hoc regulation, ad hoc right. this, ad hoc that, you know, right. too much bringing it too much. Like, yeah. It puts so much, yeah. yeah. It puts too much stress on the situation and, and both parties. And I re- I'm a firm believer in having that, that that needs to have the same weight in your company as your procedures for like producing whatever it is that you produce. Absolutely, hundred percent, Jeremiah. I wish I if I can like play back the soundbite and record this part to my some of my clients. Like to be great, they're hearing it from that. We will, me. we will. I'll cut that out for you. Oh, there you go. You know, <laughs> you know, in there. Yeah. But no, I think it's such a good point as an employment lawyer. I say this all the time. It's like if you if you have clear policies in place that are based on laws in place, what you have to do that are sensible and and laid out in advance. It sets expectations for both parties, right? For employers and employees, you know, okay, this is what's expected of me. This is what I expect in return. These are my rights and these are my responsibilities. And that goes both ways. These are my rights as an employer and my responsibilities as an employer, right? These are my rights as an employee and these are my responsibilities to my job. And what I have seen is that over, I've done this now for 23 years, uh, Oh, yes, that's right. 23 years, uh, January. I can't believe it's hard to believe. We and all that, lost, we lost a couple of years. <laughs> like we had no well, over that We lost like a year, two years of COVID, but you know, it all was one giant like Jan, September, yeah, Mem- exactly. April. Exactly. You know, 2021 to 20. But you know, what I'd say is like, it's so true that, um, you know, these policies they should be systemized and documented in writing. And that's why I, one thing I was, because maybe a nice segue into it, you mentioned, you asked me what kind of advice I give to uh, businesses to do well today. It's that you need to have updated employee handbooks for two reasons. Well, one, the reason Jeremiah just pointed out, I think very eloquently there, right? communication, um, people know their expectations, like what's expected of them, easier to resolve employee disputes. It's right here in the handbook. See, we, we've been through this like in trainings. Um, also, like some of the new laws like, require you to, to communicate in writing some of these policies, like for example, what is your COVID-19 safety protocol around air infectious disease has to be in an HR policy or employee handbook, right? What is your COVID-19 policy around uh, vaccine mandates and religious protections? Has to be in writing somewhere codified in your either, it could be in uh, written policies or procedures. It could be in you know, written uh, employee offer letters, but mainly it's in the employee handbook. It's like the Bible, you know, yeah. of a business. And I think the other point you made right before that, Jeremiah, which is, um, it's that if you're scaling, right, you might scale in so many other areas. You scale operationally, you scale in terms of like what people have to do, you know, the, the clock in, clock out procedures. And so why wouldn't you scale in an area in labor and employment law where it's so, it's such a potential mine for the fill of landmines, right? You know, it, there are so many like trip mines, you can step on the landmine and it explodes. And that explosion, maybe not going to lose a leg, but you will lose a lot of time and energy and money in hiring me as an attorney. Like you save money hiring me to do some compliance work and proactive measures than to hire me to defend you in a class action suit filed by 126 employees against you or eight named plaintiffs against you as a company, you know, or uh, fighting a department of labor because someone filed a complaint that they may not have filed like if they had recourse with you and you had gone to them and said, okay, let me explain like how this works. And if you have an issue, we can discuss it. So really important thing to scale, not to neglect your employment law, you know, and again, I think employment law attorneys and HR professionals like work well together. It's a great combination to have in the corner. 
And even all that aside, what I found lately is like yeah. h- hiring someone like you just gives me peace of mind so that I can rest, like I can get quality <laughs> sleep. Because, you know, you, you try to tackle these things sometimes yourself, especially if you're small. You yeah. know, you like, you wear all the hats and you're like, okay, I got to figure this out. I got to handle this. And you're right. laying in bed at night. And you're like, it's really uh-huh. a non-issue, but you make, you know, the anthill into a mountain yourself because you, because of your own ignorance. Where if all you do, you make a phone call and you're like, oh, it costs you a few hundred bucks. You're like, but I get to sleep tonight. It's like, yeah. I just stayed at a five-star hotel. I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm really not exaggerating. It's, it's offered me such a peace of mind. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's really important. Like, know your, know your lanes, as they say, you know, mm-hmm. like the things that you know, commit to heart. Yeah, do it, you know, just take care of it yourself. But when you start to get into the dark, stop trying to be like superman you know yeah. and just like pass that baton man because it's so you got more you got more fires coming your way that's for sure you know and you and you just if you spread yourself too thin you're not going to be effective in handling any of it i think i think you know i've been saying that for years and i say it for myself as well right i mean i'm an employment law attorney it applies I to us all yeah. right exactly i live and eat live and breathe employment labor law business law in my day-to-day in my job, I don't do tech. I mean, I have some, I'm not super tech savvy. And, you know, like if someone like if someone taught me how to maybe do some of my own IT, um, could I figure it out? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. But it take a lot of like learning and time and frustration and pulling my hair out with left of it, you know, just like yep. trying to get everything together. Yeah, it definitely would. So yeah. I leave that to the people that enjoy and love doing that. They talk in tech speak. I ask them to please clarify they did they try to clarify i say can you clarify some more and then one of my two tech guys i think is really good he says think of it as this it gives gives a metaphor okay pretend this is like a building and this is the the top floor and that's the you know like the window we're taking care of the the lower level windows before we get to okay that makes sense to me you know so i I say the same thing i mean you know like i have a bookkeeper i have an accountant i can do my taxes but I hate I that stuff. Yeah, I I'd rather I'd rather deal with like a juicy issue of you know your employees are saying uh, you have two different employees complaining. One says I won't come to work if there's a mask mandate, you know, or a vaccine mandate. Another one says I won't come to work if there is not one because I feel unsafe. My anxiety gets triggered. I have anxiety disorder, and I need a combination for that disability. And then you're pulling your, as you said, you're pulling your hair out. You're trying to read EOC guidelines, which the guidelines could be. 20 to 30 pages long, you know, and I know what to skip through. I, I go through that and I say, okay, these three pages are the setting things up clause. This yeah. repeats what's already in, in, I just go to like, it's on page 20, page 28 and the first paragraph, you know, oh. but people say, how'd you read this so fast? I'm like, I know what I'm reading, like a settlement agreement. I know what the whereas clauses are. I know what it's going to say, you know, so I think, like, and you know, I'm sure in your field too, you know, like you know what to do. Um, whereas if I tried to do what you do, I'd probably quit in a night. I'd be like, I can't, how do you handle all this? You know? So that's a really important point, Jeremiah. Yeah, it really is. And, and scaling is all about delegation too. You know, my, my, one of my first employees and mentors has been on the show many times. He always asked me, how do you, how do you give a thousand percent? And it comes down to delegation. You know, you can do your hundred, but that's it. After that, as you said earlier, your hands are tied. So you got to pass that baton. All right, we got to wrap it up, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, again, pleasure. Eric does this every Tuesday at five. He's got great, great guests. He's brought on some of my friends as well. And he's always chewing the fat on this stuff. It's a wealth mm-hmm. of uh, information and knowledge. So check him out. Tuesdays, 5 to 6 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Otherwise, where can people get in touch with you if they'd like to? About to say actually great, great question. Thank you. Um, so if you guys have an issue with a vaccine mandate, think employment law, COVID-19, or anything else, 
and you need to get in touch with me, um, you can reach out to me by, by phone. I'm at 917-930-8684 is the best number to reach me at. I'm the law officer at Gamsar, right? My email, EMS at sarvalawfirm.com, S-A-R-V-E-R-L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. Or you can just Google me also, like in my website, will come up and some, some uh, publications I've done and some, all these different things, um, you'll find me. So, but yeah, happy to help clients with this, defense, compliance, all that good stuff. I hope I helped your audience today. Uh, I, I definitely think you did Be, with COVID and beyond. So thank you so much. Just some great stuff. And there will definitely be some uh, post-production. We'll rip out some of those bites. I'll get you that one file and we can send it out to the world. Thank you. Right. Have a wonderful today. Happy Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Friday, everybody. Have a great weekend. Uh, we're out for a couple of weeks because of the holidays. We'll catch you the first week in January. Have a great holiday. Peace out. run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Howdy, I am Joseph Frank.
Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc.